0: This episode of the Word Bros Podcast is brought to you by Creative Contract Consulting. Creative Contract Consulting.com. All right, go ahead and talk. Mm-hmm. Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> You are to listening the to the Word podcast, podcast. The Word You got me you got a Yeah, you got have got on All right, Kevin, who's on the podcast this dying, It's Al
1: Snow. You ready, ready to get snow Pile?
0: What does everybody want? Everybody wants Al Snow. Al Snow is a great guy. We're going to have him on the podcast. And this episode of the Word Bros podcast is brought to you by Creative Contract Consulting. That's creativecontractconsulting.com. Gamal Hennessy is offering his services to the Word Bros audience Uh, Hit them up if you have any questions. Because I mean, there are people on this pod who listen to this podcast that also make comics. That's right. And and the worst thing that you can do as a comic creator is sign a contract that is
1: bullshit. We've all, that you don't understand.
0: Yes. We've all done it. We've all been there. Looking at a comics contract can make your head hurt so why not talk to Gamal and his people over at creative contract consulting let them help you make sense of your uh, of your comic book contract uh, that is a creative consulting.com. Gamal offers free consultation for his potential clients you can contact him to set up a meeting go to creativecontractconsulting.com slash c3 contact and and, and, uh, and have some nice conversations about uh your contract with uh, an accredited attorney with a solid dude with a solid citizen gabal hennessy so yeah but i guess without any further ado here's Alison O. everybody we're joined today by the hardcore legend ecw wwe overall awesome dude al snow hello al snow
2: how do you do how are you
0: guys we're good so we're good good. now um you currently have a comic on kickstarter yes
2: yes i do i'm very excited about it uh i have been uh and probably always will be a huge huge comic book fan, just rabid, um, of a voracious reader anyways. And, uh, and to, to be able to, to, you know, actually have my own comic book and, and please understand too, like, um, this isn't your typical wrestling comic book. It's not based on my career. It's based just on my character in wrestling and it's its own unique adventure. So uh, the fun thing about it is story-wise is that because of the fact that my character is basically insane is that um, it starts in the real world, in the wrestling world, but then um, something happens during the body of a match and, and then seamlessly it picks up in this um, post-apocalyptic uh, world where I run a detective agency uh, where Pepper is my assistant and Pierre is my uh, secretary. <laughs> and um, I go and solve mysteries, even though people don't really want me to solve any mysteries or be a part of anything. So I just overhear <laughs> things and then I just assume that, you know, somebody needs saved or somebody needs to have something done when they really don't and they don't want me to. So um, it's fun. And because of that fact, like, you know, the first, uh, graphic novel it's like 40 pages long um it's it's all a self-contained um story with a beginning a middle and an end and um it's it's based in a post-apocalyptic louisville kentucky but because it all takes place in my psyche you know the next one could be in outer space the next one could be in underwater the next one could be with you know in a star wars type of world you know um I mean, there's no end of, of you know, uh, Jason from Friday the 13th. Ooh, no that, would, end be, that of, would
0: be fun. Yeah.
2: You know, there's no end of, of different uh, variations that all fit within the context of the character and the story. So that when, if you pick up a different, a different book uh, with a different uh, location, it's not going to seem odd or seem weird or out of place. Or we're going to have to create some kind of bridge uh, story-wise to make it make sense for the reader. Now it so. sounds
0: like Al Snow, you're already planning on more comics because you've got this one that's in the can. You got your Kickstarter, but you're talking some big talk there, Al, about sequels <laughs> and space and Star Trek. Oh well, yeah. And, and so
2: it that's sounds just like me. A, that's my hopeful thinking. That's I my mean, wishful thinking.
0: But so what would you like to see next? You're already in an apocalyptic Louisville, Kentucky. If you had your druthers, Al Snow, if you could say, I wanna do whatever I wanna do with my next book. What would you do? Yeah. Like, what would you wanna do specifically? I, do I literally behind? just,
2: just yeah, like, like <laughs> you know, the idea of maybe uh, some kind of horror type book, you know, where it was with Freddy and Jason and, you know, and, and Michael Myers and something like that would be, I think it'd be interesting. But, you know, we've all, we, Eric Watkins and I, the writer, have already discussed, you know, about a a, a space adventure, Ooh, okay, and then a and then an underwater adventure as well, and I, it's just hopeful thinking on my part. I'm I'm very uh, thrilled. Uh, it didn't take long for the project to be fully funded, and now we're going into I guess what Eric calls uh, stretch goals, uh, where they're offering different things uh, over and above uh, the. The typical packages, you know, and because uh, um, we still have like 15 days on the Kickstarter, so um, we might as well use them. And uh, you know, we're we're uh, again, I'm just I'm blown away and thrilled because of the quality of the of the book, the artwork, the lettering, the inking, the penciling, um, and the the scripting um it's it's true to the character um um and i just can't say thank you to all the guys all the creators enough i mean there was an amazing team that worked on this and uh you know it's it's um it's really a big compliment uh that they did and that i think that if anybody gets it i think that they're going to be very happy um my goal was to try to create something that um you know, it's a standalone adventure. Um, it's not about wrestling; it's wrestling based, but it is not in um, wrestling centric in the, because of the character. But it's it's a its own unique adventure, and it stands up. You know, um, to like a regular superhero mythos type of storyline. Did, so, did you
0: have ha- Did you have any influence in the, in the storytelling and the writing of it? Did you go to Eric with an idea and said it because we know Eric very well; he's a good friend of ours but did you have any any input in the scripting of this
2: well i left that kind of all in eric's hands the only thing that we really discussed was that i pitched to him the idea of it it all taking place in my mind you know because we we started to have a discussion about the potential you know possibly doing the next one and and of course you know it being in a different circumstance or different situation and i said well what if it was all in my mind in my you know Uh, these things took place there so that no matter what, we could always put me in any circumstance in any environment um, and make, you know, these adventures as crazy and as out there as we wanted to. So um,
1: my question would be, you said a horror thing would be be your druthers. So would you be a a face or a heel of horror? Which one would
2: you be? Well, that I don't know. See, Mm -hmm. uh, everybody assumes that the um, the, uh, the head character that I did was always, was light and funny and, and, you know, that was pretty much how it was portrayed in the WWE, but there was, I just assumed there's a darker side to it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had, I had an idea and I didn't have a conversation with Vince uh, about it um, at the time, but years ago when I was working for WWE, they, you know, the brood were doing the bloodbath where they dumped gallons of, you know, airplane reenactment, accident blood, uh, literally like two five gallon buckets or something um, from the ceiling and uh, on guys. And they did it on me one week. And so I wanted to make it look like I snapped, like almost like Carrie.
0: That'd have been awesome.
2: (laughs) I did. So when you see me wrestle road dog, like the subsequent week, I brought out the fear me head, which was, you know, I was going, I had different, I had a box of heads and I had different emotions that they symbolized, you know, so help me. Then I was going to have fear. Fear me was a head that had its head shaved and when I was dug out and painted black. And, you know, I had black electrical tape over their mouth and it looked pretty, pretty ugly. It looked pretty frightening, you know? And that was, to me, was because I had snapped and went, you know, had become a lot more violent um, know because of the bloodbath and uh and i would have multiple heads that would represent multiple states of mind um and that you those some of those darker ones you know creating the circumstances to bring out those darker sides uh you know would be be fun to watch and and play out yeah
0: because as you say it now i would uh, the the creative in me would even like to see you coming out with the fear me head kind of still kind of tinted red from the blood mm-hmm. on you. So it did look like you've like that carry vibe that you've just gone. Well, I did.
2: I I still wore the the same white job oh, that's awesome. that, I, that they had hit me with the blood. I wore it like for weeks afterward. That's awesome. I wouldn't take it off. Like I wanted to make it seem like I never took it off. Like I never took a shower after that. You that's know? awesome. I love it. Cause I'd put red in my hair and you know, to make it look like I was still walking around doused in that blood weeks this, later.
0: I mean, this sounds like a perfect, it's like a, almost a precursor to like the fiend thing that they're doing now with like the idea that you snapped mentally and now you've gone insane. That would have been wonderful to watch. An, and well, it
2: already was insane. I just, it's,
0: but now there's you're a like different psychosis. Insane, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's and a so different like,
2: psychosis.
0: And you pitched this idea to the creative and they said, nah, nah, nah.
2: Well, I didn't pitch it. I just walked out and carried it out. Okay said he didn't like it and i never spoke to him about it so if i'd have sat down and explained it to him you know he might have gotten it it was all about you know it's all about creating as much depth in the character so that that way you as an audience never get bored with watching it you know because you Mm -hmm. never know what i'm going to do or why i'm going to do it so there's always questions which then drive you to want to see what i what happens next week
1: Cause I mean, the, with that with that gimmick, you were like so over and e. I remember ECW, and you were like so over, it, and like that's where that started, I believe, right? With uh, the head gimmick started.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember watching ECW and being like, I, I, "Al Snow is like awesome," and then like you went to WWE, and the head gimmick was still there, and it seemed like they tried to do something different with it, or 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 changed it some on you um yeah was that that from your creative control or no okay
2: that was them and i just you know i I tried to recommend i was like you know um they wanted me to go out in the ring and you know interact with other people and i was like listen the, the, the way this works the best way this works is put me in a normal situation and then i am the only abnormal thing in the situation The only abnormal thing is that I'm speaking to a head as if we are really (laughs) having a conversation and I'm treating it and speaking to them like they're a real person. And that's what makes makes people that it's the dark humor of it, of the fact that I am I'm out in a restaurant, I'm at a bar, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, in, in different places. And what, you know, it's no, I feel like it's no different for me in the head to be there than it is for anybody else to be there.
0: Now, Kevin and I are still wrestling fans. We still watch a lot of the product. Do you think that is some of what's missing from the product these days is that it seemed like back in the day, especially in the attitude era with the WWF at the time. Everybody had a gimmick. Everybody had a story that they were involved in. Everybody had a little depth to character. And I feel like a lot of that is missing now.
2: Well, it is missing. And here's why. (laughs) The art of professional wrestling is to do uh, two things. One is to make you believe the one singular lie about it, which is that the outcome is not predetermined that the outcome actually has a consequence to it. The win and loss have gravity Um, because that's, that's the only reason you're buying a ticket. Mm -hmm. There are only two reasons you ever buy a ticket to watch anything and that's who and why period. Whether you realize it or not, you don't buy a ticket because of what people do. Um, You think you do, because you're impressed by what they physically, their physical attributes and things. But if you didn't relate to who they were If you didn't relate to why they were doing it, then you wouldn't buy a ticket. Um, That applies to boxing. That's what drove all that money for uh, Mayweather and uh, McGregor. Nobody had an interest in that fight except for who was fighting and why they were fighting. Period. MMA, same thing. Wrestling, the exact same thing. Wrestling business hasn't changed. It's evolved. It's developed. It's grown. It's, you know... Um, which it always has. Um, But at the end of the day, in 1901, they were still selling the who and the why. That's it. And today, the wrestlers don't sell you who they are or why they're doing it. They sell you what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And you, no matter what you think, will never relate to what they do because you've never experienced it. You don't know exactly, quite honestly, how painful half all that stuff is. You don't know how hard that ring really is. You don't even realize how hard the ropes are and how how much how ridiculously it hurts to hit that thing, hit those ropes. (laughs) You assume that it's, you know, the ring's a trampoline or a mattress, and nothing could be further from the truth. But so we can't convince you, we can't sell you on what we do because you can't physically relate to it. That's why football, baseball, basketball in the United States have enormous audiences. Because as a child, you have, I guarantee, you've played football, even if it's just in the backyard, you've done basketball, just if it's in the driveway, and you've played baseball, even if it's just at a family reunion, you've picked up a bat, you've hit a ball, so you physically have a relationship to what's happening on the screen. That's why more old white men watch golf than anybody else. That's why in Canada, there's a bigger audience for hockey than there is anywhere else in the world, because more people have played hockey. That's why soccer is bigger all over the rest of the world than it is here. So, you know, um, it's a a matter of relatability. And if you can relate to who I am and believe, believe in who I am, then you'll believe in anything I do. As long as I do it within the context of a competitive situation. Mm -hmm. And now the guys, the talent believe that it's all about trying to sell you, convince you, impress you with what they do and not who they are and why they're doing it.
0: It's, it's true because I feel like the athleticism of the professional wrestling business has kind of, ha- has jumped tenfold to what it used to be.
2: Oh, it's incredible.
0: But the yeah. character work and like, where's the Jim Cornette talking people into the arenas? Where's, where's the Ric Flair talking people into the arenas? Where is that great gone. Yeah, and, 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 and I yeah. think a lot, does a lot of that have to do with the fact that the- They're not being taught. The exactly. The ta- and the talent nowadays are being handed promos as opposed to instead of going out there and saying, hey, Dusty, go do your hard times promos and get people in this building. Or they're being handed bits and, yeah. and, 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 and comedy skits that they that they that they're trying. They, to do.
2: they have to be because the talent themselves don't know how to do it. They've never put, been put in a spot because the talent have been put in a national platform but have yet to have had any real experience on how to motivate an audience to come to pay to see them. Mm -hmm. The talent today, okay, are not motivated based on attendance. The talent today are motivated on critical acclaim. Someone writing a report about their match and saying whether or not it was great or not. They don't care how many people showed up at the building because because it's become a bastardized version of what, every entertainment business really is okay the entertainment business whether it's musicians actors uh professional wrestlers pr- an athlete okay you're not entitled to money i hate to break that to people but you're not because it's not a job um you are your value is in direct relationship no way I fans are but your name is in direct relationship to the value of your name on a poster and how many people will potentially buy a ticket to come watch you. That's your value. But today, these people, these young people, assume it's a job. And they think that they're entitled to get paid simply because they came and wrestled. But if I put their name on a poster, they're not going to sell me one single ticket. Nobody knows who they are. And they're not doing anything to make themselves more of an attraction. They're not doing anything to make more of a name. They're simply working on trying to be better as a performer and think that, therefore, the better they are as a performer, the more they're entitled to money and to be paid. And nothing could be further from the truth. But unfortunately, that's the system that's now developed um, on, on the independence. And then you have a generation of performers that don't do it for a living. They work another job and they do it on the weekends. So for them, they're guaranteed a certain amount of money before they leave their house. They show up, their endeavor, their goal is to have the best match on the show. Not to have the match that sells the most tickets that motivates the most attendance the next time they run to make themselves more of an attraction a draw. It's to simply have the best match on the show. That's it. Yeah. And back in the day, like when I broke in, the number one question that was always asked every single night, 365 nights a year was what's the house?
0: (laughs) How many people are here? Yep.
2: How many people paid to see the show? Because that dictated how well you got paid. Um, These days, no one, you will never hear that question asked by the talent. They will never ask what's the house, but they will come back and they'll go, Hey, did you see my match? What'd you think? So they're not performing for you anymore as the audience, even in WWE, they don't perform for you. They perform for everyone in the back.
1: That's what I was going to ask. Is it more yes. for the other wrestlers? Yeah.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it is. That's why when there's no audience there during this whole COVID thing, the matches themselves, the pacing, everything didn't change one iota because it didn't matter if there were twenty thousand people in the building or if there was nobody in the building. They weren't wrestling for the people outside out in the building. They were wrestling for everybody in the back that was watching their match.
0: Mm-hmm. Now And now that's
2: what had- they all do now.
0: Now, you so. have a lot of opinions on these things, but you also run your own wrestling school, correct? And you are a big part of OVW, which I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. You guys don't mm-hmm. get up here as, as much as you used to. From what Not I- yet.
2: Not yet. Not yet. But, we're working but, on it.
0: But, um, but so are you, is this some of the values you're trying to distill in the talent mm-hmm. that kind of come from OVW?
2: Yes. Yes. And understand, look, if, if you were a talent and you worked in OVW, I'm not going to dictate to you what to do or how to do it in your match. Okay. I'm going to tell you exactly what I need business-wise out of that match in order to tell another chapter in the story or to build in a certain direction or, you know, to portray a certain character. Um, And occasionally I'm going to tell you a specific thing for a reason to get a specific reaction at a specific time done a specific way. Other than that, you're free to do whatever you want, as much as you want, when you want. The only two things that I ask are one – you never bend down. As soon as you knock somebody to the very place that you can beat them, which is the bad, don't bend over and pick them back up because you've just now went counterclockwise to the very thing we're selling, which is that you're out there trying to win, okay? And if you're not out there trying to win, well, then, then there's, again, we've killed the consequence and we've taken away the gravity. And if we've taken away the gravity, then there's, there's no drama. Well, there's no drama, there's no heat, and there's no emotion. Okay. The other thing is, is don't ever make the audience ask why. How many times have you watched a wrestling match and went, why the hell are they doing that? <laughs> within, the context, within the context of trying to win and trying not to lose, why, why are you doing that? You know, right? Um, simple little things. Like I don't care if guys dive, dive your happy, happy ass off. Okay. Cause here's a wonderful thing. I'm sitting in the back. So I can't feel anything you do. You get hurt. Hey, I'm sorry, but I'll laugh at you if you did something stupid. I'm not going to be very sympathetic because I've lived with pain for years because of doing stupid stuff like what you just did. But if you're going to dive, there are only two reasons if it were real. And that's the one thing I always ask the guys to, to ask themselves. If it were real, why would you do it? So if you're diving through the ropes or over the top rope, the only two reasons you'd ever do that if it were in a real com- competitive situation is if you were desperate enough or you were angry enough don't just based on the fact that you are taking an immense physical risk for both you and the other person catching you that could result in a life altering injury for both of you why do you just want to get a holy shit chant yeah when if you did it for the right reason at the right time you could get people standing out of their seat thinking oh my god are they okay and then pulling more drama and heat from the event. You know, if you're a heel, don't choke, don't blatantly break the rules in front of the referee. That's all I ask. Don't break the rules directly in front of the referee, unless you have two reasons, which are you're angry enough or you're desperate enough. And if that ain't the case, why are you taking a risk when supposedly you're a prize fighter that when you're out there, if you don't win, you don't get paid or you don't get paid as much. Because that's ultimately what we're trying to sell you. And that ultimately is what you're wanting to believe in. So that that way there's a structure to it. Don't bury that referee. Treat them with respect uh, and acknowledge their authority. And and put, you know, and really put over that authority so that you as the, as the heel can now do something wrong that generates heat. Because mm-hmm. you did something wrong because you were in a position to where you were going to lose. You know, and uh, as uh, a heel, that- create that. The other than that true. i don't tell you not to do things you're free because once you walk through the curtain regard i tell this to everyone regardless of what you might think or feel or believe which all of it's usually self-indulgent bs anyways because you would like to lie to yourselves once you walk through it is absolutely you are in ovw you're in nwa you're in ring of honor you're in impact you're,
0: Are we losing them? I don't know. I hope not. This is very interesting. It
2: is. And all that politics and it's a glass ceiling and all that BS. Okay. And two, no one makes you a star. You go out, you take the opportunity, you make yourself a star and I with you exploit what you've done and capitalize on it. So we both make money. Vince McMahon doesn't make you a star. He provides you an incredible platform with the machine behind you called WWE. And if you can't take advantage of that and make yourself a star to some degree, that's your fault.
1: Now, I mean, that's where I feel like wrestling and comics sort of parallel. It's always about, or it used to be not from what you're saying now, not so much anymore but it used to always be about the story. So like, yes. you know, the reason why comics get you involved as a comics reader is for the story. And the reason yes. why you used to be involved in pro wrestling, the reason why I loved NWA as a kid was the story, right? What's yeah. going to happen with Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes next week? I got to mm-hmm. see what happens. And it's yeah. it's very parallel, I feel like, to superhero comics and Marvel or DC and stuff like that. So that being pro said- wrestling.
2: Pro wrestling is just a live action comic book. That's
1: all. That's mean. what I've always thought. So I, you just, you just yeah. said what I've always thought. I've, and then that's the reason why I think I like comics and I like wrestling. They're, they're very like similar to each other. Um, But that being said with, with, with that being the, the equation for pro wrestling and comics, like, are there any uh, um, of your favorite characters from either that you can tell us about? Like the reason why you wanted to make a comic is because, you know, you're, you've been telling oh. stories for so many years. So.
2: I yeah. love, I love comics. I mean, like, you know, um, when I was younger, and I, I t- I've, all these, I've done a lot of these interviews lately, but I explained that uh, I was like three or four, I think, and, and my mother was a school bus driver for a local high school, and she had to bring me to work one day, and I rode on the school bus, and I found a, a library book. It was The Twilight of the Gods, and it was, uh, had a green cover on it and a red rooster on the front, um, and it was basically it was all the Norse uh, mythology. Uh, leading up to Ragnarok and so I loved that book and would read it and reread it and read it and reread it and that that I think was what really triggered me to want to you know read like comic books of of individuals and in, who had super uh human abilities and you know and stories that evolved out of them and then as I got older I kind of left comic books for a while and uh um but back in the day I was a huge Marvel fan just really loyal to Marvel. And, um, uh, and then uh, I was, you know, I've been on the road for 39 years. So back in the day, uh, this will date me. Um, we didn't have DVDs. We didn't have phones that played videos, you know, <laughs> um, we didn't have nothing to do when you're on the road. So I would read. And so I've read every, you know, piece of literature that you're supposed to read and uh, read the Torah. I've read the, um, read the Koran and I've read the Bible. I haven't read the Torah yet. And, um, uh, um, you know, I've started reading fantasy books and, uh, suspense books and with Dean Kuntz and, uh, Stephen King, I get hot at Stephen King cause he'd sit there and he'd spend chapter after chapter telling you about Mary. And then Mary had nothing to do in any way with the story. Nothing happened with Mary. And you're like, why did I just waste all this time with Mary? So, um, problem was I started reading more faster than they could publish it. And um, so I, uh, I went back to comic books and then it was back during the time when they actually had real graphic novels. They were had their own standalone story hmm. and um, they weren't compilations of existing stories. And so I, I started reading all of those. I met my really good friend, he was an artist for CrossGen at the time, uh, which was a company that went, went under, but they really reshaped the whole comic book business. That now you see how you know uh, Marvel and DC use that same business plan that they did back then. And uh, Andy Smith was his name, and uh, took me to CrossGen, showed me around all this, it was pretty amazing. And um, then we uh, you know, I've slowly started getting into the weeklies and then I think what really turned it up for me was when they had published, uh, identity crisis. <laughs>
0: yeah, and, okay. Um,
2: that was where, that was the turning point. Like that was where I was like, you know, the, the writing was on a whole different level, um, of depth and complexity and real life relationship type of behavior amongst the superheroes. And, uh, um so then like i loved christopher priest's run on black panther yeah, because great. i think he did the exact same thing that grant morrison did with batman because now the batman that everybody sees is the batman that grant morrison did made, which was this dark more darker shadowy character that even the other justice league members kind of like you know flash would refer to him as spooky and you know he's always angry and bitter and You know, he's got a plan on top of a plan on top of a plan on top of a plan, you know, and, um, and then I think Christopher Priest did the same thing for Black Panther because prior to Black Panther, you know, Christopher Priest run, there was no definable, he was just a guy in a kitty cat suit. Yeah, you Mm -hmm. know, and he was a king of Wakanda where now, you know, there was depth and there was, you know, this whole, this whole master chess man that chess player that, you know, and had these, and you understood his abilities and his thought process and, you know, and it turned out to be this really cool character, which is why the movies did so well, you know, and the same with the Batman movies. I think the Batman movies are more uh, in line with the Grant Morrison type of take. Um, And then Jeff Johns on the JSA run and, you know, and on Blackest Night and I could go on and on and on. I mean, you know, Str- Straczynski, when he did uh, Rising Stars, that was a one that really sold me. What really sold me on the Rising Stars was because it started out as a murder mystery and with all these uh, people that a comet went over and I think it was a hundred or something kids were born with these special abilities. And this one, you know, everybody got a different one. And this one, this guy was invulnerable, but that meant that he also had no sense of touch. So You know it wasn't a demonstrative power it wasn't cool and it wasn't sexy so like you know he just had a regular job as like working at a gas station or something and then because of the fact that he was devoid of any sensory uh stuff he became overweight because the only thing that he could really get any kind of enjoyment out of life was when he ate and then you they found him murdered because his arms were duct taped to the count to his chair and somebody had put a plastic bag over his head because if you how do you kill somebody who's invulnerable you just don't let them breathe. Yeah. And I was like, this is brilliant. <laughs> you know, it was brilliant. So and then you know, there was a beginning, a middle, and an end to that story. Granted, the end was kind of shaky, but um, <laughs> ah,
0: see, now you sound like a comic book fan. Now you now, now, now I
2: know you're real because you're like eh, well, it same, was all uh, right. The same <laughs> with same with identity Crisis. I mean, the the end was a little shaky on that. yeah, you mm-hmm. know. There were a couple things that were kind of shaky so. it's
0: weird how it works out that way for most comics where you reads like i the thing that got me back into comics because i read when i was a kid i read civil war and yeah. i loved everything about civil war and then the ending i was like that was okay but it's just weird how every comic book fan because i think they have the way they because want because i their- think
2: they start i think that the editors start to um second guess mm-hmm. like if you if in wrestling like if you're gonna let heal let a heel get heat let him get heat you know what I mean if you're going to put heat on him put him put heat on him let him beat the baby face Totally You know mm-hmm. just don't hold back but a lot of times just like in wrestling too you'll see where they oh no we need to protect him 50-50 booking bad. is
0: killing comics is what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> Well toward the
2: at the back end of stories yeah at the back end of stories
0: You can't have 50-50 booking in comics or wrestling
2: But hey that was like you know they put strong heat on Dr. Light you know he raped uh ralph demby's wife at the start of this you know at the, years ago you find out that he raped her in the, in the justice league watchtower and it's like what yeah, you know yeah. and then find out that the group of them went and started screwing with all the heels minds and you know basically lobotomizing them and it's like, that was like deep stuff you know um and they're trying to hide it from the rest of the justice league especially batman because they know batman would be literally pit, livid pissed
0: yeah you know if you found out well it's the same Uh-oh. thing it's the same thing i thought that happened with civil war like tony did all this terrible stuff and then in his in his solo series i guess he had to reboot his brain because something happened with uh yeah. with the, and he forgot all of that stuff so they just kind of yeah. they let him kind of
2: they just glossed over yeah
0: yeah yeah no one was like, don't
2: let the- him off the hook yeah Get come on.
0: on put the heat on him that's and, the and, whole
2: idea behind Iron Man, I don't know if people realize it was that the Stanley was to write a character that was supposed to be somebody that you that you weren't going to like. Yeah, he was supposed to, you know, Tony Stark is supposed to be an arrogant, narcissistic, you know, alcoholic God, genius! That so, you're saying, people aren't... so you're saying Tony Stark is Ric Flair, and, and it just it just happened where everybody liked
0: him, everybody rooted for it's, him. Uh,
2: he's charismatic and charismatics. So, yeah. Uh. Um,
1: and, and and that's one thing that stuck with me because I, I used to watch Tough Enough, and that's one thing I saw when you were on Tough Enough. You would tell them think about your character, and I always hmm. was like, and I and I remember seeing the episode where you're telling like I think it was Maven. You were like, think about your character and like what your character would do, not what what's going on. That's this is all BS that's happening here this is all to build the story like you're you're just doing physical things to build the story build the story you know right. you're if you're a heel you want to get the heat and you want to like um I can't remember you said something like about, about the baby face like your 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 whole goal is to make the face go over and like right. and that's and that's through character and everything you do should be a story building to that you know how, because how no matter too, how you
2: no matter right. how you tell a story what form you tell it mm-hmm whether it's physically in front of an audience, live audience, or you write it in a comic book or you illustrate it, or you act it out in a play or you what movie or whatever. Um, the formula is still the same. Right. You know, you have to have an antagonist and you have to have a protagonist. That protagonist has to be someone that you as the audience want to live vicariously through in some manner that you identify with them. And that's where we get our term in wrestling is over, over means, mm-hmm. That you want to be that person, it's 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 the most it's the most important thing that we can do, because without doing it, if we don't get that baby face over, meaning make you somehow identify with and want to be him, we can never get heat. Mm-hmm. We can never get you. You'll not care. Okay. If I always I always use this uh, analogy, so that to try and explain this to the to the wrestlers, if we walk outside right now, right now in the parking lot and there's somebody standing there pouring gasoline all over a car and lighting that car on fire, and it's not your car, be honest, you're probably just going to stand there and either take out your phone and video it and scream world star hip hop, or you're going to call 911. And you're not going to get involved. And you, quite honestly, because it's not your car, you don't care. Okay. If we walk outside and we see somebody doing that to your car, well, you're probably going to run over and try to take some kind of action. Right. why we well, care more if we see somebody doing that to your car with your family and your dog in it well there's no question you're going to run over and you're going to kill the guy you're going to try to do everything and to stop him why because you care more well our objective anybody's objective even if you write a comic book is to make that and that protagonist your car at least if we can make that protagonist your car with your family and your dog in it then the the heel can do one thing. Does all they have to do is one thing to the protagonist. The antagonist only has to do one thing to the protagonist, and now they've just done it to you and everyone else who's either watching or reading that story. That's the key, you know. Otherwise, we could take them in the ring and do you know, in the middle of the ring and do a hundred different things to them, and the crowd will just sit there like, mm-hmm, "Yeah, well, that's not good." <laughs> now. If we feel like it's our car, we're getting upset, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's also very important, the why. That's the other thing that's missing in wrestling these days, is that they no longer sell the why something happened. You know, if, uh, if I'm the heel, I've got to create a situation to where I have a reason to cheat. I can't just go in there and cheat. I've got to come up with something that makes you have, as the babyface done something better and now I'm in a position to where I might possibly lose. Now I have a why I did what I did. Now you got upset at the why. Because let's face it, even in real life, you don't get upset at what people do, you get upset at why they did it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So awesome. I could so, listen, I honestly could sit know. here and listen to you talk about wrestling. For it's hours, awesome. have you yeah. ever thought about because I know a lot of guys and I listen to a lot of them? Like, uh, Arn Anderson has a podcast of Jeff Jarrett. Have you ever thought about like having your own Al Snow podcast telling your old stories about the road and so stuff like that? We like can that?
2: have yet one more podcast but on I mean, top of all this. Oh man, I would
0: totally listen but to But the wrestling podcasts <laughs> are really interesting though. Because as a fan growing up, I grew up in Norfolk, Virginia, I used mm-hmm. to go to the scope all the time, and oh, much, yeah, and so mm-hmm. like I would see Jim Cornette, I would see you know yeah. the rock and roll. Express Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, Magnum. Magnum TA's from my hometown, so when he yeah. got into that accident, that crushed it. It made the hurt yeah, all of us because I st- still live in Virginia. the paper. People so, still I mean, talk about Magnum T.A. Yeah, there was so. a point oh, yeah. in my life. I yeah. did commercial radio for a long time. Not to make this about me, but uh, I did commercial radio for a long time, and we interviewed Nikita Koloff. And at like 27 years old, Nikita Koloff walked in, and I expected him to have a Russian accent because that's how much I believed it. And when he spoke regular English. I was like, who's this guy? I was so disappointed in myself. <laughs> but like- Well,
2: that's because when Nikita Kola first came to the territory, um, uh, he, brought, he had a guy go around with him when he was buying getting a car, and he would have him like he was his interpreter. Mm-hmm. And he acted like he could not speak English.
0: I, it was the best I, I thought was he was gonna still be russian at 27 years old i was like what are you that's not nikita koloff you're <laughs> just some guy from wisconsin but yeah, so i mean like i would love to hear all the story. i can't get enough of it i think it's fantastic like i don't know if you listen to tony shivani's podcast but they're actually go, they're going back through 1986 from jim crockett promotions and just like- and just watching the weekly shows and it's brilliant. It's just so yeah. much fun to listen to because it, as a wrestling fan, it gives you that sense of, man, I need somebody to talk me into the arena.
2: And, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm
0: listening to Jim Cornette do these, pro, these promos. And I'm like, I got to see this. Like, I have to watch this. So because if, they I, weren't
2: scripted and the no, guys really no. believed in who they were and what they were saying.
0: So do you yeah. guys at, at OVW, was that part of your training? Do you let guys mm-hmm. just go and, and run promos on their own? That's awesome. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. I'm a fan already. I'm a fan. You already just, you just want a new fan. I mean, just and, I, that. and just for, because I'm going to let you go soon, because it's been about 40 minutes. So I don't want to keep you too long because it's Sunday and it's a beautiful day. And in Cincinnati, it's beautiful. Hopefully it's nice where you are in Louisville.
2: Oh, Louis. it's gorgeous down yeah. here in Louisville. So, yeah. so
0: I don't want to keep you too long, but if we wanted to watch OVW, how would we go yeah. about doing that?
2: Well, sure. You can, uh, um, we're going to start moving to Thursday nights. Okay. We have been uh, on Tuesday nights uh, live, um, but uh, we're now moving to Thursday nights. This coming Thursday night, May 6th, we'll start live from seven to nine, a two hour block on Fight TV. Okay. Um, and um uh, locally we're on WBNA, and then that's why we're moving to Thursdays is because we're now going to air in Lexington, Hazard, Bowling Green, and then if those go well, then hopefully that'll open up uh, potential po- opportunities in Evansville, Cincinnati and uh charleston west virginia (laughs)
0: that's cool um
2: and uh um but we're also nationally we're on yta we're on sports 11 we're on the rnc network we're on the lily network we're on uh game plus uh so we're in a lot of different places internationally we have our own roku channel we're on amazon fire amazon prime we're on uh, Sky Sports and we're on Sports International, which is a European sports gym station.
0: That's so. awesome. That's because oh, OVW yeah. is, I mean, they're a hist like they have a, a great history. I mean, Brock Lesnar and and yeah. all the all the dudes that have come through OVW, the amount of talent that have come through to the big time is 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 crazy. Yeah,
2: Randy yeah, Orton. It's probably two hundred. I think we've got cl- well over two hundred alumni that have been in WWE and, and the vast majority of the main events for the last God knows how many years had had an, a, in the main events of WrestleMania. So
0: now are you guys you know. working with impact still, or is that no more?
2: Uh, we have a loose association with impact. Okay. Um, you know, and um, there's a potential, you know, wor- partnership, you know, within, you know, always with impact. And then um and then also put potentially with AEW and any number of other organizations. That's, I love um, AEW, so I, I
1: would
2: hope. Um, the nice thing, too, is that um, we're the only uh, state certified by the state office of proprietary education. They oversee all the secondary education after high school, which is universities, trade schools, uh, et cetera. Um, to be accredited as an actual trade school for uh, professional wrestling, sports entertainment, and broadcasting. That's cool. World. That's awesome. And um, you know we're we're gonna be uh, we're in operational territory. Um, you know we are. Um, you know, um, with these new TV deals and stuff regionally, we'll be able for WWE and is it's making it's very difficult for them to run live events, not just because of the COVID thing but because of the expense, but for us regionally, um, you know, our overhead is, is very minimal as far as running live events. So for us, it'll be, it'll be great because as a performer, the place that you really learn is to be out there on a regular basis in front of a live audience as much as possible. And we're the only other place in the world besides WWE and AEW that produce a live television show every single week. And we're on like episode 1100 and, I think we're on 40 or something. 140 wow, that's
0: a lot of TV. That's
2: wow. We're the that's longest running consecutively produced uh, episodic local television, I think, in the history of TV.
0: That's right crazy. Now, yeah. now if I, I'm a 43-year-old man, Al Snow, <laughs> if I wanted to get into the wrestling business, what advice yeah. would you give me at 43 years old?
2: <laughs> at 43? Well, <laughs> listen, I, I tell you this. I, and I, won't, I won't say it's impossible because – I've seen guys at at that age, you know, have gotten in. And I mean, when Marty Wright, I first met Marty Wright, uh, who was the boogeyman. I met him at Tough Enough, uh, the tryouts for Tough Enough 4, and he was 40 years old and uh, he went on to, you know, have great success, you know? So I'll tell you the same thing I tell everybody else. I mean, it can be done. You're just going to have to work a lot harder and a lot smarter to you know, get ahead a lot quicker than the average person because the clock's ticking on you.
0: So. I don't I don't think there'd be any tope suicidas for my old ass. You don't think so? No, <laughs> no it wouldn't happen. You'd have <laughs> that Orange
2: Cassidy gimmick. Might, Bobby, come out, look, put
0: his hands up, and they'd be right in his pockets. It's over. Yeah, I, just, I don't even know if I can get my hands up without them in my shoulders. You might,
2: you might, you might look like, more like a cat being thrown out of a moving car than somebody diving through the ropes
0: that's awesome <laughs> now the kickstarter is going on for about 15 more days uh it's called yes. the Ballad of al snow correct
2: yes the Ballad okay. of al snow and head
0: yes now are you gonna mention
2: got, that or head i'll get upset so.
0: of course we don't, <laughs> we don't, we don't now, want to upset now are there going to be like any stretch like cool stretch goals like hey yeah, can have, you can have a zoom call with al snow or you yeah, know? yeah i don't
2: know if that'll happen but yeah
0: <laughs> that would that would be a fun thing to do man i mean oh it would be you know, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know if yeah. I believe you on that one,
1: Al. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You try to, it's like, it sounds like Roman Reigns is not our car that I'm, I'm, I'm putting all the stuff together in my head mentally, which you said earlier. And I think yeah. that's why I never bought into Roman Reigns. He wasn't my car. I mean, I,
2: I. I well, they, they, well, here's the situation with Roman Reigns <laughs> is that they didn't give hit. He, he has, he hadn't found himself yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a lot of times that's, you just got to find the wrestler. I have a, I'd say that they have to find their voice. Because the most the most valuable thing that a wrestler can develop is their who they are, mm-hmm. okay. Um, because when, they're not actors. Wrestlers aren't actors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they are. Who what you, what you see in the ring, like Vince McMahon, is Vince McMahon. On TV, he's that's the guy. But it's just him with the volume turned really up, really high. Steve Austin is really Steve Austin. It's just with the volume turned up really high, and that's that's a very integral thing because if it's not who you really are, it won't, it won't sell. It mm-hmm. won't, it won't be real. And it takes people sometimes time to find that person. And they never gave him that opportunity. Vince just started pushing him down your throat. And as a result, he never clicked with you. You know, mm-hmm. he never connected. That's why, you know, and I think he's starting to find himself now. And oh, he's great now. because he's who he who he is yeah and you guys are starting to buy into him i stopped watching wwe
0: he's i'm telling he's the best thing about wwe programming it's the weirdest thing to say but like he is fantastic with this new like head of the table gimmick it's wonderful um because it's who he is yeah now, is there anybody that, that is in the business? This will be the last question. We'll let you go, I promise. Is there, anybody, okay. is there anybody working in the business now that just gets it, that you go, this guy works in 2021, he would work in 1991, he'd work in 1981, he'd work in 1971, or does that person not exist anymore?
2: Uh, I'd say like uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Okay. One. okay. Mm-hmm. You guys have to remember a work, okay, a work. Because we misuse this term in wrestling a lot, a work is to is a sham. It's a con. Mm-hmm. It's to make you believe a lie. Now, there's only one lie about wrestling, and that is that we're out there trying to win. The intent. We can. We know who's going to win, so we're going to go out there and we're going to sell you on the idea that whatever we're doing, we're trying to use to beat the guy, and not be beaten. That's the that's the work, okay, and. These days, think about it. I mean, when's the last time you were able to really buy, believe, when you watched the match, like, those two guys were really trying to beat each other. Mm -hmm. You know, not just Purdue moves, but were they using those moves to try to gain an upper hand to wear somebody down to beat them? Yes. That that skill has been lost. And, you know, um, I think... You know, Jim Cornette had referenced uh, Tomasa and uh, uh, Walter. Oh, that match was uh, so
0: good, dude!
2: But the reason it was is because you could buy into and believe the two guys were trying to beat each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's the work. That's the that's the one thing that you want to buy into and believe that. Hey, and that happens in boxing. That happens in MMA. That you know, that happens all the time. I mean, the only thing that's fake in wrestling is the finish. Right. Every physically, everything that we do is quite real. That's true. Okay. And uh, and the characters are quite real. The only thing that's fake in boxing, a lot sometimes, just the finish. <laughs> you know, it's the truth. That's awesome. It's the truth. Well, MMA, Al, same thing.
0: Al so. Snow, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Again, thank you for your time. It's yeah. a beautiful Sunday. I'm sure there's loads of things you would rather do than talk to us. Uh, but I really appreciate it. Your Kickstarter is live now. Go to Kickstarter, yep. search the ballad of Al Snow at Head, and you can get this fantastic original graphic novel from the Al artwork Snow. for
2: the uh, for the covers is amazing if you see the artwork it's absolutely incredible for the c- covers um you know and uh i know they're talking about making one of the covers a foil cover a metal cover nice and, and, nice you know and i'll i'm autographing everything and uh as well so right. it's it really is it really is a good comic book and then the artwork is amazing the lettering the everything is really top-notch i just was blown away by how well it was so.
0: well if anybody deserves a great book it's you al snow because you're a great guy well, thank you and thank you Appreciate so much that. for coming on the word bros podcast al thank you
2: thank you guys you All have right. a good day okay? yes sir you, you too. too bye
0: later that was he was awesome yeah here let me al snow kevin you were right that was a lot of fun that guy's an old pro from way way back and again i would listen to an al snow podcast because i'm sure that guy's got a million stories that i would love me too
1: or al snow if you're listening you can always come back on our podcast yes on anytime i have i
0: have his email address i'll just email him stuff (laughs) <laughs> don't say it whispering because now you'll hear us talking about it yeah but al snow good guy <laughs> his comic is the ballad of al snow and head it's live right now on kickstarter go do yourself a favor and uh and back that book and and get some cool stuff from al snow wrestling legend hardcore legend and well read and very kind of soft-spoken and cool dude al snow He's kind of the Yoda of professional wrestling, yeah, like yeah. that's what I would say. He's got all this like neat like insights into into everything. The thing that I've always heard about wrestling Kevin is the the heels are the cool guys and the faces are the assholes. <laughs>
2: that's what i've always said like
0: that's what when you listen to all those podcasts that's what they always say the good guys are always jerks and the bad guys are always the cool guys and uh, al snow is definitely a cool guy thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, that's it thank you for uh for listening to this special wednesday edition of the word bros podcast we'll be back next week erica schultz will be on 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 monday so that's two word bros in one week so dig that thank you so much for listening and we'll be back you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com.